talking on a series about wisdom, but this morning we're going to change. Glory to God. So if you missed all the wisdom series, you get to start fresh on another one. How about that? How many of you have found over your lifetime that the devil is a master of distraction? You get your mind set to do something. You get it in your heart that you are going to plan to do something or you've got a job that you've got to do and all of a sudden everything just breaks loose against you and you you can't get that job done. You've got 26 other jobs that you've got to do. You find it all the time. That's what his main job is, is to distract you or distract your focus from the thing that you're supposed to be doing. That's his calling, as you would, is to be a distractor of the purpose of your life. Well, think about it just a minute. What was Jesus' purpose? Why did Jesus come to the earth? What was one of his main purposes? So that you didn't have to go to hell. Right? So that people could get saved. Right? Are you glad he came? I, for number one, am really, really glad he came because you know what? I've made mistakes. Okay, let's see the hands of the people who have not made mistakes. That's just what I thought. So everybody in here is really glad that Jesus came. Right? Well, in saying that, if Jesus came to keep us from going to hell, the only thing that's any different from us in this room and anybody outside of this room is Jesus. Right? He came not only for us in this room, but for everybody outside of this room. So in saying that, every person in this room and outside of this room and every human that is created has a purpose for being here. We came so that we could just be here, get up and go to work and go home and watch TV and then go to bed the next day, that night and get up and do the same routine over again the next day. How many of you have ever seen that movie Groundhog's Day? (laughs) That's what life is all about. You just get up and go to bed and go through the same routine over and over and over and over again till you get it right. No, 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 no. That's not what it's all about. We have a purpose for being here. There's a reason that we are here. And we have, if God sent Jesus with a purpose, we have a purpose for being here also. And it is the very same purpose that Jesus came. We are supposed to spread the gospel exactly the same way that Jesus spread the gospel. And the ten people that agree with that say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, wait a minute. Some more people said hallelujah. (laughs) Anyway, what I want us to look at, and Keith said, Phil, are you going to play that song? And I said, boy, if I could get it up, I would, but I'm not going to. I'm going to have Carrie sing it for us. No, I'm just kidding. Carrie's looking at me like, oh, Lord, what song? (laughs) How many of you remember the song, Feelings? Yeah, sing it for me. Go ahead. Come on. Come on. You don't want me to sing it. But you know that old song about feelings, nothing more than feelings. Feelings. Yeah, you can sing it. Everybody can sing it, right? Anyway, that's what this new series is going to be about. Feelings. Oh, wonderful. Feelings. You know, we in our life as Christians, have come across this idea that feelings were, you know, because we've been taught to receive your healing, that you're not led by feelings. How many of you have ever heard that? Don't be led by your feelings. Don't be moved by your feelings. Don't be swayed by your feelings. Don't be, you know, go back and forth by your feelings. So it's, it's almost like taboo that Christians are not supposed to do anything with their feelings anymore. It's almost like they're bad things anymore. We don't do anything with our feelings anymore. Well, I have come to decide and and totally, completely beg to differ with that. 
Feelings are a very good thing. Ask any woman in the place. I can't hear you, ladies. Okay. So here we go. I want to show you a verse and you'll get what I'm talking about this morning. Let's read a couple before we get to it. In Mark 16, this is the King James, guys. He said, just in case you didn't know this, the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay, the Amplified says this. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach and publish openly the what? Good news to every creature, the whole human race. So who is he talking to here? He was talking to the disciples at the time, but that means everybody is to go into the whole world and tell the good news. Good news, not the bad news, which we have a tendency to do sometimes. You're going to hell. If you don't quit that, you're going to die and go to hell. Which that's not what he said do. He said tell them the good news. Kind of like what Dave was doing about the offering this morning. If you give, you're going to overflow and your vats are going to burst out. So it's our job to tell people good news. That's, That's why we are here. If you ever... The devil has people say, oh, why am I here? What's my purpose? I've got to get away and find out. (laughs) Oh, I've got to go find myself. I'm going to go into the beaches or the deserts or the whatever and find myself. I don't know who I am. Well, I can tell you who you are. You're a spirit being created by God who was sent here to help to get people led to the Lord so that they could be saved and keep from going to hell. That's why you're here. And that's who you are. It's not confusing. So don't let the devil confuse you about it. That's the purpose and that's why you're here. So let me read you this next verse and then we'll go on. It says, uh, Acts 22, verse 15. For thou shalt be his witnesses unto all men of what you have seen and heard. The Message Bible says it this way. Acts 22:15. You are to be key witnesses to everyone you meet. You are to be, say that with me. I am to be a key witness to everyone I meet. Uh Uh-oh. Now that's a problem. If we are to be a key witness to everyone we meet, this creates an itsy-bitsy, teensy-weensy... How does that go? Itsy-bitsy, (laughs) teensy-weensy... See, I didn't say it. Y'all said it. There you go. Problem. That's what I'll say. Because if we are to be a witness to everyone that we meet, what are we witnessing to them? Because lately, I don't think it's good news. We're supposed to be being a witness of the good news. But let me ask you a few questions. Have you ever seen anybody lately that is a Christian that is just laid up in their bed and they've got a cool cloth on their head and they're just depressed and all the blinds are pulled and they have no reason to get out of bed? I'm just depressed. I'm sad. And I'm depressed, and I have no purpose to live. You ever seen a Christian like that? Don't raise your hand. Have you ever been like that? I'm not laughing about it. But we're going to talk about feelings for a little bit. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, the devil is here also. What are we witnessing? Are we witnessing 
Depression? With everyone we meet? Are we being a witness of sadness? What about this? When you get up and you go to work the next day, are you getting up and you're going to work and you're being bored and you're going through the motions and you're just doing your job? Ho-hum. I have to do this again. I don't want to be here. I hate this job. I don't like what I'm doing. I don't want to do this. Let's read that verse again. It says, um, be a key witness to everyone you meet. What are you witnessing? Okay, we're going to get past it. Hang on, don't, don't lose your joy now. That's a, that, you're being a witness right now. There it goes. <laughs> don't lose your joy just yet. I'm just asking you a few questions, okay? I, like he says, if you'll just look straight ahead and with a smile on your face, no one will know that you're being talked about. No one will know that they're talking about you. So just look straight ahead and smile and maybe hit your neighbor if you're talking about that. No, don't do that. (laughs) Or have you ever seen somebody that it's even past those two things, they've gotten bitter and everyone that they come in contact with, they just take out everything on them. They're just mad at the whole world. You know, nothing's going to suit them from the time they get up in the morning till the time they go to bed at night, whether it's your spouse or whether it's your neighbor or whether it's your cousin or your mom or your dad. They're just bitter at everybody. They've gone past that they're uh, depressed or they've gone past that they don't want to go to work and they've gone and gotten bitter at everybody. They're just bitter. They'd just rather not be here anymore. Or have you ever seen someone that's gone past all three of those things and just gone into total hate? They hate themselves. They hate everybody around them. They just as soon kill you as to look at you. Their lives are worth nothing to them. They'll just pull a gun at you and shoot you for $5. What are all these things? Feelings. They are feelings. And do any one of these feelings portray the good character or the good side or the good news about God? Are they good key witnesses for God? Not one. Well, I would like this year for us to start off on a new foot. How many of you want to start off, not a new resolution, but just kind of a new foot, you know? A new foot. Because I believe that God created these feelings. And we'll get into that later. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want you to understand that there's nothing in this world that's created that wasn't created by God that the devil did not pervert. And he is the master of taking you off the track that God put you on. And he wants to, if he cannot keep you from getting saved, well, what is the very next best thing? Keep you from being happy. Keep you messed up. Keep you from being a witness. That's his next best thing. Because if he can't keep you from going to hell, then he wants you to keep anybody else from going with you to heaven. Are you being a witness Well, I think every person in here should be able to witness to at least one person a week and at least tell them about the good news and plant a seed and then somebody else come along and water it and somebody else come along and get the increase and get that person saved and get them in church. I think if we do our job that there should be people getting saved almost every single day. And you say, well, I don't like witnessing to people. Great. I'm glad. How many of you don't like witnessing to people? Just be honest for just a minute. (laughs) Great. I love to see that. Did you see Dave? Stand up. Stand up just a minute. Look around. How many of you don't like witnessing to people? Three people. How many of you really like preaching to people and witnessing to people? Oh, this is really, really good because, you know, nobody raised their hand on either one. So we got a church full of don't cares. 
Whoa, that's sad. No. You've got to care one way or the other. God said he don't like you if you're lukewarm. So come on, let's try that one more time. How many of you really like to witness to people? Tell them about God. Yes. Glory to God. All right. How many of you would rather just uh, somebody else do it and you get to tell them later about it? Yeah, that's the most of you. Yeah. So I got some good news for you. I got another way that I'll help you out this morning. Are you ready? All right. Turn with me. If you would, let's see if we can find it. Um, oh, here we go. Um, I know I put it in here unless I grabbed the wrong notes here. I know where it is if we did. Turn with me. I'll find it here in a minute. First Peter, I think it's chapter 3. I must have grabbed my wrong notes. First Peter chapter 3. I think it's in the NIV, guys. One. First Peter chapter three, verse one. Uh, wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not what believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Now read that last part with me. They may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Now, now, uh, uh, let's see. What does everybody mean? Okay, let's try that one more time. Would everybody please read this with me, please? Okay. Um, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Okay, now let me ask you another question. I know y'all like for me to ask you questions, so I'm just going to do it, okay? Which is easier to win? Someone you live with every day or someone you're rarely around? I knew you were going to say that. Thank you. You got the right answer. Because if you can win your spouse by the way that you live and the things that you do, how much easier is it to win the world by the things that you do and the way that you act? It's so much easier because they don't know the temper tantrum you pitched five minutes before that. You can just go live nicely in front of them for that ten minutes. Right? But you can win them by how you live. Let's read a few more verses. Why then, if it doesn't matter how we live, has the devil fought so hard to keep people depressed, to keep them bitter, to keep them sad, to keep them down? How many of you know Christians that are in one of those categories? Hate, down, depressed, bitter, sad? Every person in here can raise their hand. Cranky, they just wake up and just are not happy anymore. They're just, they've lost their joy. Well, why is the devil fighting that so hard? Why does he care what their attitude is today? Why does he care what they feel like today? Why does he care about their feelings? Well, let's find out from the Bible. Okay, Matthew 24, verse 14. This is King James. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a what? Witness to all the nations, then what's going to happen? The end's going to come. The Amplified says it this way. And this good news that you're going to tell about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then what's going to happen? The end's going to come. Now, what's going to happen to the devil when the end comes? 
He is done. He's over. His shenanigans are, are, yeah, hallelujah is right. And how many of you are going to cry? How many of you are going to be sad then? When those chains are locked up and he's thrown into the pit for eternity? Nobody is going to cry. So if he can keep you or your friends or the people that you know down, depressed, sad, bitter, cranky, angry, mad, then he can keep this going on and on and on like the 40 years in the wilderness. If he can keep you grumbling and complaining that you don't want to tell anybody about the Lord, you don't want to share God with anybody, you don't want to be a witness for the Lord with the way you live, then we can have to live in Grumbleville forever, right along Cranky Alley. Right? And then we'll have to just stay in this stuff forever. That's why the devil does this. He don't care about you. He cares about him. He's a selfish thing. That's who he is. He lives in a world of selfishness. And all he cares about is that you don't tell anybody about God so he don't have to be dumped in that pit forever. Because he knows the end will come the minute that we all get a revelation of this is the purpose that we're here. Is to share the good news of the Lord. This is why we are put on this earth. Does anybody got another good reason why we would be here? Because if there is another good reason, I'd like to hear about it. Because I haven't heard of another one. This is the reason that we're here. Because God put us here. He created us. And if he created us to do this, I guess we should probably get to doing it. And maybe you don't want to go to work tomorrow and witness to somebody and say, are you saved? Are you going to hell? Well, how many of you know that doesn't always work? And that's what it's talking about with husbands and wives. How many of you wives have ever tried to change your husbands? Every hand in the place ought to go up. Because you know you have. Did it work? No. You could even say it louder than that. No, 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 no. It did not ever work. But when you begin to change and you begin to do things differently and your lifestyle changes, then what kind of happens to them? They're sitting next to you, plug their ears. God begins to deal with their heart. It's not even something that you did. Then God begins to soften their heart. God begins to work on them. God begins to make some things pliable in them. That's why that verse begins to work. It's nothing you did then. It's when you begin to do what you're supposed to do, then God's able to do what He's going to do, and things change. Well, it's the same way with the world. If we live the life that we're supposed to live in front of them, then they begin to see something that they desire. And God's able to begin to work in them. And they begin to look at you. And they say, I know what happened to them. I heard the boss chew them out yesterday. I saw that that person next to them got that promotion when I know they should have got it. And look at them. They're still smiling today. They're still happy. They didn't lose their joy. They're not even bitter. They're not even taking it out on anybody. How do they do that? How can they do that? Well, there's only one way that they can do that. The joy of the Lord. Or they see you and they know this person didn't pay their bill and they just stuck you for $200,000. And they've been doing business with you forever. And they know that person just stuck you good. And you have every right to sue them. But you just keep your smile. You just say, the Lord will take care of me. It'll be all right. God will take care of me. He's going to work it out for me. 
and you keep your joy and you keep your happiness and you don't go in your room and go and sit down somewhere and say, oh, me, oh, my, why does all this stuff always have to happen to me? What am I doing wrong? God doesn't love me. I'm a Christian and he doesn't even care about me. If he, if he cared, he'd take care of all this stuff for me. If he really loved me, he'd fix it for me. Well, you're supposed to be strong enough to take care of it for yourself, but the whole time what he's trying to do is get that person next to you saved. You're supposed to be being a witness to the person next to you, but your joy is your strength, and that joy is the greater one that lives inside of you, and if you just brush that stuff off, he'd make you stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And all the while, all the people around you are watching you while you're sitting there pouting. Feelings. (laughs) I see, I see it. Yeah, that's right. Dave thinks he can sing. Who was that laughing over here real hard, Dave? Anyway, let's go on. You know what? I think about this. You ever remember the Lord's Prayer? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I just wonder how many sad, sack, depressed, bitter, cranky people there are in heaven. One? Ten? Twenty-five? None. So if it's his will that there be none in heaven, what's his will for the earth? None here. He doesn't desire that any one person be sad or down or depressed or upset or cranky or bitter. None. Not one. Let me read you a few things. John 10.10, don't try to put all these, you can. John 10.10 says this. I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Does that sound like you're down and no feelings? What is death? What is life? Can you tell the difference between a dead person and a live person? Do you think there's feelings in a live person? Are there feelings in a dead person? So what did he give us? Feelings. Right? Okay. The next one. John 14, 27. Peace. I leave with you. My peace. Oh, whose peace? My peace I give to you. Now, where, whose peace was that? He gave it to us. Is peace a feeling? Can you feel peace? You ever been upset? Can you tell the difference when you have peace or or when you have turmoil? So is God against feelings? He tells you not to worry or fret or be anxious about. So that means we should be in peace. Peace is a feeling. That's what we should be in. Is that a witness to anyone? If we're in peace. Do you think it would be good news to someone if they were in turmoil and they saw you in peace going through the same situation? Would that be good news to them? To someone that you meet? Okay. Uh, this next one. I like it. John fifteen eleven. These things have I spoken unto you that my... Whose joy? My joy. Whose joy? Jesus is saying this. Does Jesus have joy? Have you ever seen a picture of Jesus that looked like he had joy? 
Never. Every picture that they paint of Jesus is like... But Jesus says, my joy. Well, can you imagine heaven that there's no joy? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe there's lots of joy in heaven. I'm going to be in a mess if there's not, because I'm a joyful person. And I'm full of life. I don't like sadness. I don't do well with sadness. Joy. He said, my joy might remain with you and your joy might be a little bit. Your joy might be full. Is joy a witness? Is it a key witness to those around you? What if your house just got burned down today? God forbid it'll not happen, but what if it did? Huh? It's not going to happen. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's been things that's happened to people all over the world. And if you just crumble and fall into pieces, the devil has won. It's when you stand up and you gird yourself and you put on his joy and you say, Lord, I know this didn't happen because of you. I know it's the thief, the devil that comes to steal, kill and destroy. But you have come that I might have life and have it more abundantly. And I'm going to take some of that joy of yours right now. And you do that and you become a key witness for the Lord. To everyone that meets you. Uh, let's look at uh, 1 Timothy. You don't have to look there. They'll put it up on the screen. 1 Timothy 6.17. It says, charge them that are rich in this world. Every time Keith reads that, he says, say that's me. Even if you're not, it's a good confession. Charge them that are rich in this world. Three people got it. Charge them that are rich in this world. Okay, that they be not high-minded or trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives richly all things to what? Enjoy. Enjoy. Now, when you're enjoying something, have you ever seen little kids playing outside in a sandbox and they're enjoying something? Are they sitting there like this? What are they doing? Laughing and playing and running and jumping. When you enjoy something, you're happy. God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Is that a feeling? Enjoy is a feeling. Where did that feeling come from? The devil? It came from God. John 13, verse 17. Talking about the commandments. And it says, if you know these things, what? Happy. Uh-oh, that's a cuss word to some people. Happy are you that do them. Happy. Happy. Happy are you that do them. Now, this verse I picked out just completely and specifically for Dave. And you'll know why after I read it. Proverbs fifteen thirteen in the NIV. It says, a happy heart makes a face cheerful. Now, the reason that I'm telling you that is because for 10 years now, Dave has stood on the platform and said, if you're happy, I have to see these. And if y'all don't learn it, he'll tell you that. That means that your teeth show and you're smiling when you're happy. Now, that would change a whole lot of people's lives. If you would just smile. Let's try it on for size. Look at your neighbor. See if they have any teeth. You know, in Branson, we can't do this because we've got a lot of hillbillies up there. You know, but here we can, you know. Everybody should have pretty good teeth down here, you know. We might not have shoes down here, but we got teeth. You know. 
So uh, everybody should have a good smile, right? See, I got you to smile on that one, yeah. So uh, good practice. We should be happy. You know, other people's heads are no place to find your happiness. Did you know that? No matter what other people say or what other people do, you should always come away happy. Because you don't know the next person that you meet, their whole emotions and their whole salvation and their whole attitude could rest upon you being kind and happy with them. And you could be the witness that God plans to use in their life. And it could be by not saying one word to them. How did that wife win that husband? Without one word. But by her lifestyle. By her behavior. By the things that she did. By the way that she acted. And it is the same way with us by every person that we come in contact with, by every person that we're around, by every person that God sends across our path. Do you think that God does anything by coincidence? Do you think that if you let Him lead you, that where you go to lunch today will be by coincidence? Do you think the waiter or the waitress or the gas station person or the person that you come across in the grocery store or the person that drops that in the shelf in the grocery store right in front of you, Do you think all these things are coincidence in your life? I don't. I believe that if we try to be led by the Lord, even when we don't know it, we're being led by the Lord. And He puts people in our path. So let's go back and read it. I don't want you to forget this, the way that it says it. In the Message Bible, be a key witness to everyone you meet. Who is everyone? Everyone you meet, everyone you meet, a key witness. Now that means if you leave them a tip on that table, what kind of witness are you? A good one or a bad one? Now that you know you go to that tongue-talking, prosperity-believing, healing-believing church over there across town. And you left them a 50-cent tip on a $150 bill? Huh? You prosperity-believing person? What kind of witness is that? You should have ate at McDonald's. Huh? And what about when you go to the doctor and you say you're believing for healing and you're hurting all over your body and you say, I'm not hurting, and your tears are rolling down your face. (laughs) But I believe in healing. (laughs) What kind of witness is that? Not so very good. Didn't say to lie to the doctor. We have to be the witness that God has called us to be. We have to be a good witness. We have to be an honest witness. We have to be who we are. We have to preach the good news of God. Not the fake and phony and lying and deceptive news of God. We have to be who He's called us to be. We want to represent Him with the character that He's put into us. We don't go back to our old nature of who we were before we were saved and live that life and then just put the tag on the front of us. Uh, You know, you could put a tag, I am a Christian, and do exactly everything that you did before you were saved. It doesn't work that way. When you get saved, you have to begin to start taking on the characteristics of a saved person. It would kind of be like me being married to Keith. Well, we got married very young, two days out of high school. That's young. We've been together since we were kids in junior high. Sixth to seventh grade, we started being together. That's little. How many of you would like your sixth grader to start liking somebody? (laughs) Dear Lord, they'd be casting them out of the church, taking them out of here. We weren't dating, but we liked each other. 
But how many of you, if I was married to Keith when I got 17, and I thought, you know what? I'm married, but it doesn't really matter, you know? I can still go out with this one that I was going out with, or I can still go, and uh, I don't have to be living with him. I can go over here and live with mom and daddy, or, and I can go and, and just take my check and go do what I want to with it, and I can go and, and uh, go party over here Saturday night, and I can go and do that. How do you think he would feel? How long do you think we'd be married? Huh? Or if Keith wanted to be in the ministry and serve God and I was still partying and drinking and doing drugs and doing all this other kind of stuff, how long do you think that would last? Very, very short time. Well, it's the same way with the things of God. We can't just continue to do this and serve God. At some point or another, you know, you got to get off the fence and you got to decide, okay, God, I'm all yours. And you got to say, you know what? I don't care who knows I'm all yours, God. I am a witness for you. And I'm going to get up in the morning, and it's like Smith Wigglesworth said, I'm not going to ask Smith how he feels today. I'm going to tell Smith how he feels today. And I'm going to put on the joy of the Lord, and I'm going to put on my happy face, and I'm going to put on his peace, and I'm going to put on his love, and I'm going to go out, and I'm going to serve God. And that's who I'm going to be today. And it's time that we don't let the devil tell us who we are today. We tell him who we are today. Because if you let the devil tell you who you are today, you're going to be sick and broke and miserable and sad and depressed all the long, miserable days of your life. I remember a story. Keith and I, when we first got in the ministry, we went to Guatemala. And... Keith has like what I would call a cast iron stomach. Do you know what I mean by that? He can eat anything under the sun. I know one of the first trips, he was teaching at Bible school. I'll get three stories going at the same time. See if you can keep up. (laughs) He was teaching at Bible school, and I had to go on the road with the Hagans, and he had to stay home because he was teaching in the school. And I called him one night. He had never been left alone by himself ever in his whole life. We'd been together like two days after high school. He left Mama's house, and I got in with him. So he had never had to fix a meal in his life. He didn't know how to boil water. There was no such thing as a microwave then. So, yeah, that's, it's that funny. So I called him and I said, what are you eating? And it was before the day that everybody just got in a car and drove to a restaurant. You know, we live 40 miles from, you know, a, gro- a drive-in restaurant or anything. I said, what are you eating? He said, now, no laughing, right? Y'all can't tell him I told you this. Okay? Cut it out of the tape. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I called. I said, what are you eating? He said, well, I looked in the pantry, and there was, this is what was in there. Some sardines and some peanut butter. and some. I mean, he listed off some of the nastiest stuff you had ever heard of in your life. And he had the whole kitchen counter filled with all this stuff, and that's what he was eating. And it was the grossest stuff you had ever heard of mixed together, and it was all over the kitchen counter, and that's what he was eating. And I thought, God, please let him not ever have to stay by himself again. And the Lord worked it out where he didn't have to. But he has a stomach that... I'll leave something in the refrigerator and I'll be gone now like he's there and I'm here. And and thank God I've got people that cook for him now when I'm not there. I I just have to have him food sitting there when he gets there, you know. But if there's something sitting in the refrigerator, he'll say, this is good. It's been in the refrigerator. No telling how long it's been in there. You know, it could have furries growing off of it, (laughs) you know. And so he's got a stomach like that, you know. He'll go, smell this and see if it's good because he won't know, (laughs) you know. And I say, you're not eating that. But anyway, we had gone to Guatemala. See, I didn't forget where I was. We had gone to Guatemala, and my stomach is strong too. Uh, that's all I'm going to confess about it. And uh, I had, they say you don't you know, drink the water, you don't do this, you don't do that, you know. And they were, it was some friends of ours, so we had it supernaturally well. And she was cleaning everything with bleach, and she was doing all this stuff. Well, anyway, one morning I woke up, and you could hear my stomach a mile away. It was, you know, that number. And he says, hey, Phil, if you give in to that, Mr. Healing Man, if you give in to that, you're going to be in bed the whole rest of our trip, which was two weeks. So, man, I didn't give in to it. I got up. I went outside. I got on the little girl's tricycle. I pulled her around. We did this. Then we went to, for our meeting that night to preach. And I mean, I didn't give in to it. But I know we had some other people with us. 
they gave into it. Very same symptoms. The whole rest of the trip, they were of no use to us. They were in bed the whole rest of the time, sick, diarrhea, vomiting. Well, those, and those, whatever they are, got in their system. And it made them sick. Well, it's exactly the same way with the devil. That's the way I think about him every single time I wake up that way. You either give in to him or you resist him. And Keith says it like this. You ever heard that commercial on Listerine? Kills germs on contact? He, he, he says it like this all the time. doesn't matter if I come in contact with germs or come in contact with something. My body is just like Listerine. It kills germs on contact. <laughs> and he says that kind of thing all the time. Well, you ought to get up and say that kind of stuff about how you feel in the morning. I can kill the devil's stuff on contact. I mean, he can't try to mess with me. I just knock him out on contact. You wake up in the morning and you're not feeling good? Devil, you're under my feet. You can't mess with me. You get up, sickness is under my feet, poverty is under my feet, all those things, and you wake up and you put a smile on your face. And you can find out real quickly how quickly the devil flees then. But you have to do this. You cannot go through the day and and wishy-wash back and forth about how you feel. You can't go through five minutes and say, oh, yes, the joy of the Lord is my strength, he, 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 and the next ten minutes go get in the bed and crawl up under the covers. You do that, you're giving him place then. You're opening the door wide open for him to come in and make you sicker than you were, more depressed than you were, sadder than you were. Yes, maybe you're dealing with something horrible. Maybe you're dealing with something really, really bad. Maybe 12 people are suing you and everybody in the county talked about your mama today. But you still get up and you say, glory to God, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm happy on the inside. It doesn't matter if anybody likes me, God likes me. And I'm doing what he told me to do today and he's going to help me. And you, like he says, if you've got to get toothpicks to prop up the corners of your mouth, then you do it. Toothpicks might hurt. I might get matchsticks or something, you know. You know, find something. Put that smile on. I mean, there's been times I know, and I'm going to tell up on Dave now, but sometimes in the services I know it's been a, a horrible day. And I'll be sitting there and, and my chair across from the aisle, you know, and it's been like everything that you can think of hit us that day. Every, and, and I'll come out there and I won't be thinking about it. I'll be thinking about what happened. And Dave will look at me and he'll go. <laughs> if you've ever seen him do it, it's just because you're just thinking. The devil, he'll do it to anybody. And, he, and he'll try to nail you right before the it's who he is it's what he tries to do to your life he tries to get you off when you've got something big that God wants you to do and he knows when you're going to be coming in contact with that person that needs the most ministry he knows it he knows if it may be that person that drops something in the grocery store he knows it may be your mom or your brother or your sister you can't go into that situation feeling the way that you feel You've got to put on the armor of God. You've got to put on the things of God. And you've got to get up and stir yourself up. Because the greater one lives inside of you. And he will give you all the strength that you need to do everything that you need to do. Because you are his child. He gave you his peace. He gave you his joy. He gave you his love. He gave you all those things. You don't have to go searching for him. He already gave them to you. The only thing you have to do is kick the devil in the teeth and say, get out of here, and then they'll start to rise up in you. You have to put the devil off and put God on. And that's exactly what you have to do. You have to turn off those bad things and just focus your mind and get the distractions away from you. And I know that you know how to do it. You know how I know? Because when you want to see that TV program that you want to see, huh? When there is a TV program that you really, really want to see, what do you do? 
Wives, let me ask you a question. Have you ever talked to your husband when he's watching his favorite TV program? Does he even hear you? Huh? How many times do you have to call his name before he answers? Several. Huh? Lots of times, right? Well, that's because they have learned the powers of focus and concentration. So don't tell me you can't do it. You can do whatever you want to do. But you have to make your mind up that it's important enough to you. You have to decide, I am not going to think on this. I'm going to think on this. And don't turn your head back that way. You have a choice to make. It's your choice. But you know what? So many people have decided they like these feelings of despair. They like these feelings of doom and gloom and sadness. But you know what? They're not really good, guys. The other ones are so much better. The joy of the Lord, the happiness. And think about this. Not only yourself, then how many people will you be able to help when you're happy? Who wants to be around a sourpuss? Who wants to be around a sad sack? Do you? What do you want to do when somebody comes around you and they say, oh, you say, how are you doing today? And they start to tell you, actually. <laughs> what do you want to do? Yeah. How fast can I go? You, you all of a sudden become Speedy Gonzalez, <laughs> you know, or Roadrunner. You're out of there. Because you don't really want to know. You want to be around somebody that is happy, that can share joy with you. Why? Because they are starved for it. People are starved for happiness. They are starved for joy. They are starved for peace. They're starved for these good feelings. Because the devil has overridden all of God's things and has superseded them with all of his things. So we have got to begin to replace all the things that the devil has done, just like we've been teaching on wisdom. There's godly wisdom and there's devilish wisdom. Well, there's godly feelings and there's devilish feelings. And we've got to begin to recognize the ones that are from the devil and the ones that are from God. And we've got to start kicking out the ones that are from the devil and standing up for the ones that are from God. And not yield to them for 30 seconds, because you know that's about how long it takes. When something happens, you have about this long to decide. Am I going to get depressed about this? Or am I going to say, glory to God, it's going to be okay. And that's what you have time to do. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand up on your feet with me. i got a lot more to go over with you, but we'll get into it next week. I think, how many of you can be back next week? Yeah, well, we don't know if Keith will be here or I will, but somebody will be here to preach to you next week. Yeah, I promise you that. Well, I trust God that we're going to get this new year started off right. I believe that we are. I want to read that verse to you one more time. Let's see. It says, we are to be a key witness to everyone that we meet. Say, I am am a key witness witness to everyone everyone that I meet. I I will be a good news. Witness to everyone that I meet. And that's what we want to be. I do, do you? And what about the rest of you? I do, do you? Okay, and what about the rest of you? That's only about half the crowd. Uh, I want to be a good news witness to everyone that I meet. What about the rest of you? Yes, glory to God. Thank you, Lord.